Alternative Radio. Hello again, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to The Age of Jeremy, where knowledge is power and starting a business is the key to your future. At least in my opinion, it's the key to the future. Um, but, but along with that, personal finance and investing, wealth management, taxes, all of that's super important. And we hope that you gain something from listening to The Age of Jeremy. Now, if you guys can do me a favor, if this is the first time that you listen to this, if you can just go ahead and follow me on TikTok at Age of Jeremy, if you can follow me on Twitter at Age, actually that's it, yeah, at Age of Jeremy Q, if you can just follow me on LinkedIn at Jeremy Quintanilla and on Instagram at Age of Jeremy. And then also if you know I am, and this is, an Age of Radio production. If you can go ahead and reach out to our Twitter feed for Age of Radio, that's uh, Age of Radio. And then on Instagram, it gets a little confusing, um, but it's called Age of Radio verse. Age of Radio was taken, and we have all of these different podcasts. And we look at that as the Age of Radio verse. Like uh, for what was Kevin Kevin Smith's? Uh, he had a he had a universe, the View Askew universe, I think it was. But anyway, all of our podcasts take place in the real world. <laughs> well, at least most of them do, I guess. Um, so please go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Age of Radioverse. But you are listening to The Age of Jeremy. So let's get started. I have a show for you today. Um, I want to go over the news. Um, there's some big stuff that's going on with the news. I, I found a new podcast that I haven't listened to yet because I'm so far behind in my podcast listening, but I think that it will be uh, a win when we listen to it. I think it's a little ironic because of what the podcast is about and the large corporation that owns the company that made the podcast, but um, you can make that just as you, you can figure that out for yourself. And uh, and then I, I want to talk about savings. Me and this guy on TikTok, we didn't get in a fight. He just... Uh, he just kind of referenced some of the stuff that I was talking about with savings. Um, and I think he missed my entire point um, because I agreed with him. And so I kind of want to talk a little bit about savings, the benefit of you to have a savings account, getting your kids involved with savings, your business involved with savings. Uh, it's super, super important. So I kind of want to talk to you about that um, today, but we'll get started. Uh, go ahead and roll that intro. My name is Jeremy Quintanilla. You were listening to Age of Jeremy. I'm an entrepreneur, and I'm the co-founder of Age of Radio and 3T Fitness, and well, other businesses that I am working on. This podcast is about everything that I learn and the trials and tribulations it took to learn them. I hope you enjoy. So, Zuck, 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 Zuckerberg. Wish I had that Chris, Chris uh, Rock clip where he's making fun of Zuckerberg's last name. That would have fit in great right there. I don't know if I can actually go and find that. Uh, it's not really that important, but that Chris Rock special, I think it was his last Netflix special is pretty good. If you have a chance to listen to it, I think that you should. Uh, it's really funny, but let's talk a little bit about some of the big, the big stories that went on this week, because there was a lot of shit that was going on a lot. So let me go ahead and uh, let me just grab this here because this, this Facebook story is is a little funny in my opinion, but, um, and I think it's just like the government's trying to find things to go after them at because they're upset with them for some reason. At least that's the way that I'm getting, not that I'm against antitrust laws. Like I'm completely against antitrust laws, but essentially what happened was 
uh, or what's happening is today the um, a consortium of 48 attorneys, 48 attorney generals, and the U.S. government filed an antitrust lawsuit against Facebook Inc., claiming that it committed unlawful anti-competitive acts that put rivals out of business and cemented its status as the preeminent social network giant. Which that part's true, right? I mean, Facebook is is a social network giant, and they did buy companies. The, the part that's confusing me about this is where they were unlawful in their acquisition of these companies. And so, so it's a, it's a little weird. So like Facebook's general counsel, her name is Jennifer Newstead. She said that anti antitrust laws exist to protect consumers and promote innovation, not to punish successful businesses, Instagram and WhatsApp that became incredible products due to the fact that Facebook invested billions of dollars into them. And on top of that, they didn't even mention the the they didn't even mention, sorry about that, I dropped something. Um, they didn't even mention the fact that that Facebook bought Oculus, which is essentially the, to my knowledge, the old con- the only consumer VR company out there, right? I mean, Microsoft has its HoloLens, which is phenomenal, and I've tried to get Danielle to get me to let me buy one just so I can A, learn how to use it, B, if I ever become a decent developer, that'd be cool to develop shit on the HoloLens. I think that's what it's called, the HoloLens. But like they, so, but but the key point is here is Instagram. We have, we have Facebook, obviously, and then we have WhatsApp. Now, they're saying that because of their acquisition of those companies, they have defeated the anti-competitiveness of this market. Now, I will say this. I will say this, that TikTok is much fucking better than Reels. Like, I I genuinely enjoy doing TikTok videos. In fact, I did four of them just today to get to get my TikTok game up, right? And I think that you should all have TikTok's account, TikTok accounts, and you should be trying to figure out how you can blend that into your business, into the, your your brand or whatever it is that you have, that it needs to be a big part. I mean, 3T Fitness is growing so fast because of our TikTok. It wasn't because of Instagram. Our TikTok is up to 480,000 followers for Coach JV underscore. And so we have driven so much business over from TikTok because the millennials are enjoying it. The Xers, I, I don't even, I'm not even trying no one Xer and um, the boomers. And so, and so probably some Gen Zers, but you know, it's working really, really well bringing people over. You know, we found people on a platform that enjoy listening to John, enjoy the stuff that John has to say, or able to convert them over. Right. So obviously this isn't a hundred percent true because I feel the TikTok's knocking out of the part with reels. Now, what I do do imagine that would end up happening is if Oracle ends up doing this purchase of TikTok, I imagine at some point in the future, they'll try to sell that off to Facebook for billions of dollars. And so then, then you have Facebook that owns every social media thing in every social media piece, right? But the, the part that, that I'm confused about is where where it was unlawful because they had to get from my knowledge they had to get the 
they had to have the the backing of the United States government for these acquisitions. Okay, and I don't even know why we're having what's why WhatsApp's in here, right? WhatsApp is what is what WhatsApp. I don't even use WhatsApp, but WhatsApp's a messenger. Looking it up right here, it's a cross-platform messaging and voice over IP service. It allows users to send text messages and voice messages, make voice and video calls, and share image documents, user locations, and other media. So, like it, in my opinion, it does. It's doesn't even. It's not even the same realm with Instagram and Facebook. We can go ahead and say that Facebook and Instagram kind of do the same thing. I personally enjoy Instagram more than Facebook, um, but they get most of their ads. But the consumers are getting these things for free. Like. Facebook isn't going out and screwing the consumers over and only have like, these are free. And not only that, it's not, it's not, it's not something that the people have to buy and saying, you only have to buy this because they're free. People go on there and actually use them to make money. Now, that's when you might have some type of competitive problem is if Instagram and Facebook um, are the main platforms, right? And then what they dictate is how you make your livelihood. And that's why people like, I don't know, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Seth Godin, um, some of the other, you know, big, big names in marketing out there, they tell you to create a newsletter because you don't want this company controlling all of your, all of the ability for you to make your money. But they made a bunch of money. They went and bought companies and they made them better and made them more profitable. Like I'm completely all about all about helping helping people out and making sure that we're we're getting wages going. We were getting and 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 if they were if they were doing a trust, like we'll take Microsoft. When Microsoft was dealing with their antitrust stuff, from my knowledge, it was because there was nothing else that you could purchase. So it forced your hand to purchase their 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 operating system because no one else was able to compete. And even when they were able to compete, Windows could go in there and buy it up. So I guess maybe the fear is here is if Facebook decides to start charging people and they're the only game in town, they can charge whatever they want. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But I guess we'll have to find out. So because this just started. So Again, there's 48 attorney generals and the U.S. government. They filed antitrust lawsuits against Facebook. And I guess we'll have to find out what happens. The other great news that's really happened moving on is DoorDash went public today. And it had a fantastic day. I think it had an 80% increase in its mar- its its, its uh, stock. It started off at 102. So when it went on the market today, uh, or last night before it went on the market today, they had it priced at one hundred and two dollars. So that's what like insiders. I don't. I don't want to use the word insiders, and I don't have every the best way to explain this written here. But essentially, when you're putting out an IPO, you go and you sell the. You you find a price that you're going to start the. Um, you're going to look at a price of when it, what you sell it to the the original investors on right before it goes public. And then so they're sent they're selling it to people at 102 per share. That's what it's priced. That's what they end up pricing it at. And then it ends up going on the market. And so it went on the market at $182 per share and it closed at $189.51. So I think the 85% increase was from the initial $102. Um, yeah, it was from the initial $102, obviously, because it went from 102 to 189. Um 
$602. So it closed up more than 85% in their debut on Wednesday, giving the company a market valuation of around $60.2 billion. So DoorDash is now valued at $60.2 billion. I have never even fucking used DoorDash. But is it smart for them to do an IPO right now? Absolutely. Because the whole freaking economy shut down. Why wouldn't they do it right now? I mean, this is a fantastic time to do it. And now it now puts them in better line with Grubhub, puts them in better line with Uber, right? And now we have these these type of you know delivery stocks, you know, because Uber has I think uh, Uber has their Uber pickups or whatever. And and this to be honest, this was the best way that I think that I think Uber Eats was one of the smartest things that Uber did to diversify its revenue out of just doing the ride sharing uh, piece of it. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why, because uh, I don't know if Lyft has something like that. I don't think Lyft does. I'm not 100% sure. I think Lyft's branding's better, much better. I sat on a uh, a uh, uh, a board on a, a nonprofit board with a member from uh, Lyft and fantastic company, fantastic individual, fantastic branding. Um, but Uber Eats was so smart, but it puts them in line with Grubhub. Um, so this, they, I mean, they're probably right and strong right now. I don't know if necessarily you should. Well, yeah, I mean, for this next year, you might want to go out and buy Grubhub, Uber and DoorDash, um, their stocks and because they're probably going to go on the rise, especially, you know, last time that I heard about the pandemic, I think we're getting 20 million vaccines. I don't know if that was worldwide or in America or what. It's all going to healthcare professionals. We're not going to get a second batch to start handing out until maybe summer. So, I mean, we still have a lot of time. And then also, too, during this time, people start getting accustomed to using this, like getting people that um, weren't involved with DoorDash, like, so say me. Reason why I don't do DoorDash probably, or is why, is because of the cost of having the DoorDash piece of it. Um, so, but I mean, in all honesty, DoorDash does seem like a small thing. I think we've used Grubhub in the past. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. I don't take care of any of that. I'm so grateful for my wife. She takes care of that whenever we do a lot of ordering. Whenever we order food, she's the one that always brings, you know, finds out what we're going to eat and everything along those lines. And so... But I think this is good. I think this is good competition for Grubhub, Uber, and DoorDash. And so, like, if Uber went and started buying up Grubhub and DoorDash, that might be anti-competitive. I'm still having a hard time with the fact that Facebook is doing anything anti-competitive. And I'm not a big fan of Facebook. And I'm a big fan of, you know, getting on people for anti-competitive behavior like Cox. I am not. If you live in Arizona, you can only get cable from Cox. And in any attempt that, from my knowledge, where anything else has tried to compete with them, we have gone and bought them out or Cox has gone and bought them out or Cox has overcome them and we don't have anything, which forces us, right? The consumer, if Cox is like, well, we're going to raise your internet to, you know, a hundred and a hundred dollars. And now it's like $300 a month. We don't have a say in that. And the argument would be, well, we cannot use it, but a lot of people need the internet and they have the fastest internet. And then the only alternative is CenturyLink, which is terrible and then after that, maybe we could go to Verizon spot, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I think that, that would be more anti-competitive. I just can't, I just can't see why they're doing the, why they're spending so much time of the, with this on on Facebook. It's not, it's not affecting the consumer. Anyway, I gotta, I gotta move on from that piece. But 
but DoorDash went public. I think this is a great time for them. I think this is something you should look into. Um, talk to your financial advisor if, if you think that you should put this into possibly your portfolio. Again, not licensed financial advisor, not giving you financial advice. Go talk to financial advisor, do your own homework and look into DoorDash. The, uh, there was some other stuff that went on this, you know, this week. Actually, it all really happened today, I feel like. Um, uh, Airbnb is going to start selling its shares at $68 uh, in its IPO. Um, and let's see here. The other, the, then I think Hunter Biden is going to start getting investigated for taxes, tax fraud. So, again, I'm I'm all for Biden and I just and if he did something wrong, he did something wrong. I, I just feel like I feel like we're the parties right now. They're spending so much time trying to focus on these things that may or like obviously if he did tax fraud, that's bad and it should be investigated. But I feel like it's happening now due to the change. Because I don't know if it's who's investigating this, who initiated the investigation, but like we need to start running our country and we start, need to start doing governance and we need to start doing a much better job. And so I don't know. The other thing that happened today, the stocks, uh, most of the stocks sold off. NASDAQ went down mainly probably because of this news uh, about Facebook and the antitrust lawsuits and how that could affect. Because if if Facebook ends up losing this, there's a possibility that they could break all of these up into separate companies. And so like the other alternative is just to get rid of Instagram and just make Instagram a version of Facebook. That's what I, I mean, in my opinion, I don't know how they would really do that or if they would let them do that. But I mean, I would just get rid of Instagram or I personally like Instagram better. I would get rid of Facebook and just call it Instagram. And Instagram is now owned by the head company, Facebook. And then you have WhatsApp. I still don't. And no one brought up Oculus, but I don't know who's really playing VR. I want an Oculus because the new Medal of Honor is coming out on it and it's coming out on PC. But I think it'd be badass to play that in virtual reality. I just can't get myself to just waste $300 on a VR headset that's not a Microsoft HoloLens. I just want to put that out there. HoloLens. I just want a HoloLens. So if, 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 and just real quick. So most of my news I get from MarketWatch and CNBC. So a lot of this stuff comes to me throughout the day. Big fan of MarketWatch. Hate Fox News. Love Dow Jones. Um, Dow Jones owns um, the Wall Street Journal and Market Watch and Barron's. And so um, plug for Market Watch. Go and uh, subscribe to Market Watch. I get most of this for free, I think. It might be part of my Wall Street Journal plan. I'm not sure. Maybe you can get it for free. Go look it, into it. But if Wall Street Journal or Market Watch or Dow Jones wants to sponsor this podcast, all they have to do is get me a HoloLens and I'll be fine with it. Actually, I won't tell that to Danielle. If I told that to Danielle, she'd be like, you had an opportunity to get a sponsorship with a large company. And you were like, I just want a Microsoft HoloLens. I don't think she would go over that. But anyway, all right. Um, what else is happening in this world? Probably need to move on from news. Oh, SpaceX launched the Starship. I did not read anything about it, but I put the live on my Twitter Oh, it looks like it crash landed. So maybe this is big news. Maybe I want to put this news on here. Oh, my fuck. Excuse my language. Okay, December 9th, 2020. SpaceX launches Starship on highest test flight, but crash lands and fireball. SpaceX launched a shiny bullet shaped straight out of science fiction Starship several miles into the air from a remote corner of Texas on Wednesday. But the six and a half minute 
test flight ended in an explosive fireball at touchdown. It was the highest and most elaborate flight yet for the rocket ship that Elon Musk says could carry people to Mars in as little as six years, despite the catastrophic end he despite this catastrophic end, he was thrilled. Mars, here we come, he tweeted. I'll be honest, I, I guess it was probably just news, headline news that caught me on this. I think it's important because of how high it went. Yeah, that was the focal point, the highest. So who cares if it crash landed? If it made the height requirement that they were looking for, they can work the rest of it out before they actually send people to Mars. And again, if you've ever uh, talked to me or know anything about me, I am a huge advocate for interplanetary species. Last thing I want to mention because I love this app is Crunchyroll is going to be sold to Sony for $1 billion. $1 billion. Sony Corp agreed to a more than $1 billion deal to buy online animation service Crunchyroll from AT&T Inc. According to a person familiar with the matter. So if you have HBO Max and you are watching Naruto, you will not be able to watch Naruto anymore once this goes through to Sony. And Sony owns a crap ton of the anime companies. Sony is a behemoth. And, uh, especially with anime. And this is going to place them even better. Crunchyroll app. Easy to use. I like it. Hate their freaking ads. I was watching Naruto. Fell asleep. An ad came on. Scared me. The dogs. Everybody have to death. I thought the intruder was coming in the house. I thought... All kinds of shit was happening. The freaking audio on the ads that are on Crunchyroll are ridiculous. And because I pay for Hulu, Disney Plus, freaking CBS Access, Peacock's free. What else do we have? ESPN Plus, um, Netflix. I do not want to play for Crunchyroll. Plus, anime is difficult, not difficult to watch. Like, it's hard to watch. It's difficult to watch. There's a lot of it. And you have to spend a lot of time watching it. But good for good for Sony, I guess. Crunchyroll is the latest asset that AT&T is cutting loose to trim the debt load it amassed through its five-year push into entertainment. So let's just listen to that. AT&T amassed a shitload of debt to push into entertainment. So they amassed debt to buy all this stuff, and now they're unloading those assets. The acquisition of DirecTV in 2015 and Time Warner in 2018 left the telecom ne network operator with more than $180 billion of net debt, an amount it has whittled down in recent years. It's like, what was the plan? This is one of the reasons why I want to get into an executive office or be at that level in a large corporation or a large public corporation. Like, what's the fucking... We're just... Because... Yeah, you're, is it like, is your mindset like, okay, I'm just going to amass debt. I'm only going to hurt my shareholders or, and, and not even the share, the big shareholders that own it, because I don't give a fuck about the hedge funds that own most of AT&T. What I care about and what you should care about is the fact that that impact the hedge funds that own the AT&T, that they're selling it to the mom and pops down the street because everybody's Everybody's selling hedge. Everybody's selling mutual funds. I guess hedge funds should have been the wrong word. <laughs> the mutual funds and the ETFs, and anytime AT and T is being used, so you can diversify your risk. But then AT and you you have this company in here that that, I mean, it's irresponsible to take on hundred and eighty billion dollars of debt, 
And they could have done that through bonds. They could have done that through borrowing money. And then to be in a place where you're not sure where it was that you're going to start selling this stuff off. I mean, if you're in entertainment and you own all this and we're all sitting at home, are you selling it too soon, maybe? Like, should they be selling Crunchyroll now or should they be betting on this anime? I think anime is going to continue to grow. I think I think where we're at with anime for the average person is underrated. And here's the reason why is because <clears throat> most people, if you can get them to watch anime and you can get them to read it because sub subtitled um, anime, I mean, uh, dubbed anime is just not as good, in my opinion, because. I just don't enjoy it because I don't like the voice actors that they do to do the dubbing. But if you if you. If you can get people to watch anime, you can find something that they will like. And the way that we consume content content now, I bet you Sony's going to make a shit ton of money off this. I think they're I think they're getting it for a steal at a billion dollars. That is a steal at a billion dollars for Crunchyroll. If they can utilize it and 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 keep pushing it and getting it in front of people, they're going to make a shit ton of money on it. I think that's stupid on AT&T's part. If AT&T wants to be in the entertainment room, having Crunchyroll is a great place to be. Because because anime is just going to keep getting it's always going to be around and more and more kids are going to keep coming. And as the 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 newer population turns them on to it, you're going to get more and more anime. Right. Because my generation. Right. Which are having the the newer possibly having some Gen Z years and whatever the new generation is called. I don't know what it's called. Um, <coughs> and having the new generation. And having the new generation, we're showing them more anime. So anime is going to continue to get more, bigger and bigger over years. But freaking corporations are so short-sighted. They can't look 20, 20, 20 years down the line. Can you imagine how big anime is going to be in 20 years? It's going to be ridiculous. Like right now, my niece, she's binge-watching uh, Hero, uh, My Hero Academia. So when she has kids, what's she going to turn her kids onto? Anime. And now we finally got a cycle because we got the millennials and possibly some of the Gen Xers, but I don't like to talk about them a lot. The Gen Xers, we found anime because the world opened up a little bit more during our generation and we were able to get it here in the United States and then Amazon happened and then it just kept coming. <laughs> and so we enjoy it. We taught our kids. They're going to teach their kids. It's just going to grow. I don't know. I think, I think Sony did This is, this is, if A&T and T wants to be in entertainment, I think this is stupid. I'm happy for Sony. Good for Sony. Sony, if you are listening, you should gift me with a PS5 because we have an Xbox Series X and I haven't had a PlayStation in a long time. And I think that I want one. If not, when they're in, I'm probably going to buy one. <laughs> okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back. And when we get back, I'm going to talk about a new podcast I found called Resistance. All right. So I found this podcast through Twitter. And funny story, I did not realize how much podcasters and how much people use Twitter. So I started doing a lot more stuff on Twitter, especially since we're really trying to rebrand. Well, A. We're trying to get Age of Radio more on Twitter. So we have this thing called the Age of Radio Pod Raid um, that we're working on coining and that allows you to join our, uh, if you're part of the, the Age of Radio feed, you can, you can tweet 
us and follow us. And then when we have every Monday, Joey, our senior podcast development officer for Age of Radio, he like retweets the one of those posts. And then we get everybody in the feed to retweet that post um, of that episode of that podcast. And as we grow with our social media strategy and things like that, or things related to social media, we'll go ahead and start doing that more and more with more podcasts that are part of the that are part of the network. And so I was like, okay, well, if people are really using this, I really need to get my Twitter handle moving forward. And if you've been listening to me for a while now for the past couple of years or follow me on Instagram or TikTok, then you know that one of my lifelong aspirations is to be the governor of Arizona and to, or at least be the treasurer of Arizona. Um, I kind of go back and forth on the governor piece, but I definitely want to be a treasurer for the United States um, or for Arizona. And if, if, if that goes well, I would love to figure out a way to become the treasurer for the United States of America. Now, that being said, I know I have a long ways to go, but I'm super freaking young, so it's completely doable in my opinion. And so spending more time on Twitter, I just saw this come through from Gimlet, and it's called Resistance. And if you've met me, I love Resistance. And this show just... I'm really excited to listen to this show. And it's it's a show about refusing to accept things as they are. Stories from the front lines of the movement for black lives told by the generation fighting for change. And it's hosted by Saidu Tehan Thomas Jr. And if I'm not mistaken, he's done some other podcasts on Google Gimlet. I could be wrong and I didn't look into it, but you should definitely check it out. Um, It'll be in the show notes for the Gimlet page. Um, But I'm going to play a clip for you right now. One, two, three, boom. On May 29th at 10 a.m. I got a text message about a protest from a friend. Grabbed my bag, had my goggles. I knew what to do. I like put on some pants because I was wearing my pajamas. Covered my entire face, combat boots. Took our bikes, got on the train, and we just hit the streets. I was like, let's go, let's go, let's go. When people all around the world first started going outside and protesting this summer, I'm kind of ashamed to say I was on my couch, playing video games. I convinced myself that I was staying home because I didn't want to catch coronavirus, but honestly, I was afraid of being let down again. We've been here before. I know I have. I've marched, I've yelled, and yet we keep ending up right back here again. So how come when protests started this summer, people kept saying over and over again, this time is different? What were they talking about? What were they seeing? So I went out. From Gimlet, I'm Saeed T. John Thomas Jr. And this is Resistance, a show about people refusing to accept things as they are. People putting their lives on the line. I got sped on, kicked, called the N-word. They started pulling out their batons. They started charging at people. And the next thing I realized, I had like five police officers beating me up. People becoming leaders. people becoming targets. These motherfuckers knock on my door at 7 a.m. You're the one making this difficult. We're just trying to get you to come outside. My first instinct was to run. And some people, like me, who've been feeling hopeless for a long time now, are suddenly finding reasons to smile again. Let me see that black joy, baby. And low-key, they're turning the movement into the move like the Summer Jam or Coachella protest. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's a vibe. 
I've followed this movement for months now, and honestly, I still have more questions than answers. Like, how can we make sure this time really is different? What can we learn from the people who've been here before? And how do you keep on resisting when everyone else stops showing up? Look at everybody going back to normal, man. What the fuck for? This ain't normal. Resistance is out now. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Black Lives, baby. That sounds fucking awesome, right? Is it just me? I don't know. I think it sounds amazing, but I like that type of stuff. And I'm a big supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement um, because who would not be a supporter of it? Um, And not to get into the BLM versus ALM arguments on here, but um, I think this podcast sounds fantastic and I'm going to do my best um, to, to, to binge it. I'll probably listen to a lot of it uh, tomorrow, um, during work, but uh, I think it sounds amazing. The reason why I enjoy it so much is I love that, that story about people rising up and banding together and overthrowing something that's unjust. Like that's a fucking great story. You know, that's the story that in my opinion, that's that's the American story. A lot of people think that 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 pull yourself up by your bootstraps and work your ass off and make something of yourself. That's part of our American story. But I say that 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 specifically unjust piece of it is the American. That's the American story. When you feel like you are a, you're being murdered because of the color of your skin and you're being murdered unjustly. That's not happening to a different race of people or color of people. That's the American story. And that's why I think that this is, this is fantastic. And if, if this is the, in fact, I want to see this real quick because I believe I do. And I butchering his name. So I'm so sorry, man. Um, if you listen to this, I'm not hundred percent sure why you would be listening to this, but let's say you end up listening to this and I'm butchering your name. Um, uh, let's see. He did. I don't know what else he's done. I thought that he did another podcast that I really, really enjoy because his voice just sounds so familiar and so amazing. What an amazing voice he has. And that that's great that he did that. Let's see, he's a poet. So could you imagine listening to that guy do poetry? That'd be freaking fantastic. Let's see, writer, poet, and producer Saidu Tehan Thomas Jr. will delve into the 2020 protest against police brutality and racial inequality on a new podcast from Spotify and Gimlet. It started on October 14th, and I'm just talking about it in December. So for a person that has a growing, growing platform about podcasting, I really, really need to get on my shit. There are just so many podcasts out there. It's freaking ridiculous. Actually, no, it's not ridiculous. I shouldn't say that. I'm happy that there's so many podcasts out there because that means that there's something for everybody. And that's really what the world, in my opinion, has needed. I think YouTube and podcasting is just a freaking phenomenon. 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 I think the the I think YouTube does a pretty they do a good job policing it. But I think that sometimes they hurt some of the people that are on there. At least I know that that's what I listen to them. I don't have, I mean, 3T Fitness has a YouTube page, 3T Warrior Academy. I think we have 11.5 thousand subscribers the last time I looked or something along those lines. Um, uh, 
they have such cool some of these groups and this isn't the reason why you should enjoy this but some of these groups have some great names it says resistance will feature interviews with organizers like chi osei and Drek of warriors in the garden what is warriors in the garden that sounds phenomenal the show will also boast a variety of black artists such as anderson um pock who's fantastic if you don't know who anderson pack is go listen to both of them. Both and probably have more than that, but the, the main ones that I know are two albums that he has. Go listen to both of his albums; are fantastic. And then watch his NPR Tiny Desk performance. Fan, just an amazing, amazing artist. Um. All right, so I, I don't know if he did the other podcast that I was thinking of, um, and I can't even remember the name of it, so I can't even look it up. Point is, you should listen to this. The reason why I thought it was funny. Um, not funny, like what was going on in the podcast, but the reason why I thought that it was interesting that Gimlet was doing this was because Gimlet's owned by Spotify. Spotify bought Gimlet for like $220 million. And 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 I know that the, the Black Lives Matter movement isn't, isn't the socialist movement, but I feel that there are undertones of socialism involved with the movement itself. And so I just kind of find it odd that a ginormous corporation owns gimlet and gimlet's putting out this podcast but again i guess you could say that for anything because as everything goes along giant corporations they they uh they do it and if you hear anything in the background that is my niece talking on the phone i think on the phone if not whatever go watch our tiktoks i should have her on here she wants to be an inspiring inspiring comic book artist and she has amazing 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 talent in fact just for fun because she'll get pissed off if I tell her I did this. So I'm going to do it anyway. So my niece is, is staying with us for right now. But her Instagram is strawberry, S-T-R-A-W-B-E-R-R-I, dot underscore dot worms dot 13. And she's going to be so fucking mad when she finds out that I told you that. All of you people. My tens of listeners that I have. Anyway, not important. It'll grow, right? This is the number one finance podcast in the in the nation. It's gonna be bigger than Dave Ramsey. Just give me 20 years, maybe five years, who knows? I think I have a better personality than Dave Ramsey. Oh, I so I like Dave Ramsey, and I've been listening to him a lot, trying to get an idea of some of the things that I want to incorporate in this podcast. And the the mo <laughs> the biggest thing that I want to incorporate in this podcast is eight guests. And second, I want to have his setup that he has on the Dave Ramsey show. So it's not that I don't like Dave Ramsey. I just think he says he has really good advice for people to get out of debt. So if you want to learn about stuff about get out of debt, listen to me. But if you're not going to listen to me, listen to Dave Ramsey because it he speaks greatly about getting out of debt. They have their financial freedom, their financial university or whatever the, the heck it is called. But like if we're talking about if 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 we're talking about so so like the debt thing and i'm going to go into this in in a minute in fact you know what let me let me use this as a better segue um let me do a short break real quick so we can hear from some of our sponsors and uh and i'll be right back and then we'll we'll jump into the main the main point of the con the the, the podcast all right so we were talking about dave ramsey one dave ramsey i think has done a lot of great stuff for a lot of people, if if I had to pick someone who's actually being truthful and honest with people and not trying to bullshit them about some ridiculous, stupid ass way to make money by flipping real estate or doing a freaking what, what what's the thing that freaking Robert Kiyosaki used to do with his real estate, the freaking option real estate shit. 
Um, which technically does does work, I guess. I mean, it works just like an option, so I guess it could work. I think that's what they, they were doing it as. But anyway, point of the story is, is that Dave Ramsey, great, fantastic setup. The Dave Ramsey Solutions or Ramsey Solutions, freaking beautiful. That has a fantastic voice. Shree does a lot of great things. Two things I'm not a big fan of him on is his obsessive obsession with capitalism and getting ahead. Um, and, and I don't mean that in the sense that capitalism, like doing something wrong with other, you know, doing something bad with other people and, and, you know, using other people type thing. I, I don't think he does that anyway. I'm sure it's fantastic working for him. Probably one of the nicest guys in the world. Um, there's that. I'm not a big, big, big believer in, in crossing in the, the religious piece of it into it. So that part, I don't, don't personally, it doesn't, uh, doesn't, um, appeal to me, I guess is what the word that I'm looking for. So that part doesn't appeal to me, but, but I, I, I can't say that it's not doing good. So if something's doing good, then we should continue to do it. Um, but the one thing that I think the difficult thing is this, this whole buy your house with cash and buy your car with cash. And so I would say, and this is going to going to go into our topic because I want to talk about savings. And I agree with that to the extent that you can do it. Um, and you don't need to leverage any type of debt. Our house, we we own our house. We don't own it free and clear yet. I'm focusing on making it free and clear because that should be the main thing is to get rid of that that debt. So when in finance and finances and, and in businesses, you you learn about mergers and acquisitions. And one of the things that you learn about those, the that piece of it is the leverage buyout. And the 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 main concept behind the leverage buyout is to when you're purchasing a business, right, you take on a bunch of debt. Okay. And so you're leveraging yourself um, because you're getting an asset that's going to be growing. You have this debt that you're going to be reducing. And as long as you can cover the expenses, the interest expense that goes along with whatever you took out on that debt, whether it be bonds or whether it be, and you're paying a coupon payment or whether you're taking that loan out at a bank, the concept is, is that you can, can, you can, you can, you can cover that interest expense. Then what you do is you make that business so efficient right? And you get rid of all of the waste. And unfortunately, sometimes that means getting rid of employees um, and you get rid of all the waste. And then you buy down all of you buy the equity back. Well, not the equity, but you pay off the debt, I guess would be the best way to say it. You pay off all of that debt and then you have that asset free and clear. And so when we're looking at it that way, that's how my mindset is. Because when we learned about when we learned this concept in school, that that makes sense to me, right? In college, right? We take on this debt, we have a plan in place to make whatever whatever's going on in our life that's generating our income to, to make it mo more efficient and then just pay off all that debt as quickly as possible. That's why it's so important to me to never have a car payment. So like, in one, in a couple of uh, episodes ago or shows ago, I talked about my Nissan Leaf, I ended up having a situation with it. I couldn't keep the Nissan leave. And unfortunately I ended up getting a Toyota Camry cause it was more in the price range that I wanted to spend. And, and, uh, I got a 2014 Camry. I think we have, uh, some debt on it. I think it's around $10,000 in debt used like $8,000 in cash or something. Apparently it's camera. I think I obviously overpaid for the Camry probably, but and so like the idea is now just to pay everything I can to cover, get that debt done as quickly as possible. So that means making everything else in my life efficient, right? With our budgeting so that we can create as much, so we can create as much cash flow as we need to, to pay that debt off as quickly as possible. And that's the way that you use leverage. 
is by not having that debt for a long period of time because you are increasing the income that you need to pay that off. And so that's what a business is used to do or the idea um, that and, and the way that they should be doing them is getting the debt that they need to purchase the asset, then making their life as efficient as possible for all their business entities, and then paying off that debt, and then moving on to the other thing. And that's how you build this ridiculous amount of wealth over time with the assets. But a lot of companies, larger companies, don't do this. Where we do find that this still happens is in family-run enterprises. And so that's why I'm an advocate for family-run enterprises, because they have a better long-term strategy. Um, they don't overspend. And they don't overspend because it's for their family and for their team members and their employees, and they care about them. And you may even say that they love them. And so so that's the only thing that I disagree really with, with um, Dave Ramsey. And then we have slightly different opinions on getting an education. But for the most part, cool guy, listen to his podcast. I'm sure if you haven't heard of it, Dave Ramsey, you can learn a lot of great stuff from him. But the reason why I want to talk about savings is because of TikTok. And I'm bringing up TikTok because I made a TikTok because there are a lot of financial gurus out there telling people to go and not save anything. It's better off taking all that money, investing it, and then creating some type of leverage by get, by being able to borrow against some type of plan. And I wasn't specifically referring to another person's TikTok, but I was trying, I was trying responding to another person's TikTok with better information. And this person that used to be a financial advisor, or maybe he is an investment maker, I don't know, he's a nice guy. He had said that everything that I was saying was wrong. People need to have a six-month uh six-month uh net uh emergency fund. And so in my podcast, I said a thousand should be fine. And I'm getting, and I'll tell you why I use a thousand in a second. But what I said was a thousand is fine. Um, if you can do more, obviously do more, but then you should, um, but there's also the option of leveraging against some of your other assets. And so I wanted to deep dive in, in, in this podcast over the next 15 or 20 minutes and kind of talk a little bit about the, the savings piece of it and why you should, what you should have for savings, how to get there and some good practices to get you started. So the, let me start with a thousand dollars. The reason why I'm okay with a thousand dollars is because I have debt. And so, and I'm going to go back to Dave Ramsey. And this is one of the reasons why I brought him up. Cause I did learn this from total money makeover is that get your, get your savings account up to a thousand dollars, right? Because most emergencies, most emergencies, not all emergencies, are going to be somewhere around that range. So a thousand should cover you. You know, um, if you need to get a seven hundred dollar car repair bill, that's the main one that comes up. Medical emergency, depending on what it is and what you have insurance, a thousand may cover it. I know I do. I get a lot of. I have bad teeth from smoking for so long and um, and using my inhaler and not washing my mouth out afterwards. So my teeth aren't. Uh, the the best. I'm very insecure about that part of my 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 body. In fact, that's probably the only real thing that I'm insecure about. Um, but but so sometimes I have to go and get a cavity done or uh, a cap put on or get a bridge because I had to get a, a you know a tooth pulled or something along those lines. And so and I don't want to look ridiculous. And so uh, and so those are like five hundred to a thousand dollars or so usually when when I do them. And so. And and people that have those dental emergencies, that's about what it is. So that's where I you that's where I utilize the thousand dollar piece of it, is because because it's worked for me in the past. So whenever you have debt, you get a good thousand dollar cushion, and then all of your other money you snowball that debt, and the snowball is amazing. I I 
my strategy for snowballing, right? Because you want to get to a place where you can do a six month saving or have more money to invest. Okay. And so the snowball effect works because you, you're paying your bills and then you have this other amount that you can put towards your bills. So let's say it's a hundred dollars. You put that hundred dollars towards your, your, your other debt. You pay off one thing, then you add what you were paying for that card onto another card. And that's why it's a snowball because the amount that you're putting towards your debt gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And this is the best way it, from my experience, which I learned from Dave Ramsey to get that to get that debt paid off. And I do it with family members. I do it with clients. It is the best way to get rid of your debt. Now, the thing that I don't really, the thing that it depends on the person, you can either go after debt where the interest rate is higher, or you can go after the lowest payment or the highest payment, um, depending on which one you, I personally go after the highest payment. Like I have a thousand dollar bill that I have every month, um, for some consolidated debt, but then we made the decision to use, uh, we had some emergencies. Danielle had, um, some, some, um, some surgery and we decided to put that on credit card so we could get it done. And then we just pay off all of that debt. Right. And so I pay off the thousand dollars because the faster that gets paid, even though it probably has like a mid range interest rate, then I free up a thousand dollars of my cash flow. And one of the things that's important when you're thinking about this is what cash flow becomes available for when you pay it off. Just bite the bullet with the interest expense. Go after the cash flow because now I just got $1,000 and now I can put that towards one other thing and it's paid off and then we're done. That's the way that I look at it. And so, so you might get people that talk a little bit about that. But once that debt's done, now you have like $1,000, we'll say, depending on your situation, maybe $100, maybe $200, and you can start putting into savings. Savings gets a little bit tricky because people get into emergencies every six or so months. So I don't like to fill people's mind with this piece where, where I'm like, okay, well you, your bills are, so my bills and, and other people, my bills are going to be different than other people's, but, but on average, I would say someone's bill. So our bills a month comes out to about five or $6,000 a month for our actual bills. Okay. And probably with food and all of that other stuff. And so when, when you have that to get a three month savings, that's like 15, 16, $17,000. And that's the place where we would want to be. And you want to be in that place based off of your expenses. But the reality is, is if you have only like $50 that you're putting away and I tell you, and that's all that you can afford because you're, you're grinding and, or you're, you're getting out of uh, school or you're not good with money or you lost your job and you just got back on your feet and you have to pay all this other stuff and you don't have that money for savings. And then I tell you, and then I tell you, you need to get six months of your, your, you know, your expenses in line, which ends up being maybe, you know, ends up being a total of, you know, five or $6,000, that can still be a lot and it can be daunting. So I like to do baby steps, right? And unfortunately, I'm using it in a different context than what Dave Ramsey uses it for. And I hate that I'm bringing up Dave Ramsey so much in this podcast, but he has such a good influence on personal finance that it's difficult and his stuff does work. And so like, so, but I'm using baby steps different. My baby steps is like, okay, we'll start putting $20 away. And what you do to make the, make this better, and this could be for your business as well. But how you do it is you set up a separate checking account that you don't really have access to or that you forget about. But you don't want that checking account in your main checking account. You want it where it's away from you. 
where it's in another financial institution. So we have our expense account. My wife has her account. I have my our, our joint account. I don't really have another account. I have our business accounts. And then I have a separate savings account for October Revolution Corporation to buy assets where money trickles into that every uh, couple of weeks. And then I have my uh, emergency savings that currently is actually linked to my, my main checking account. But I'm going to move that because what I'm telling you is a much better way to do it. And I just haven't done it yet. And I'm just being honest with you. It should be in another financial institution so that every couple of weeks you have 10 bucks. You know, if that's all that you can afford, it trickles in there. But I don't like coming at someone and saying, you need like 7000 you need $40,000. That can be daunting to people. And it can be terrible for people that aren't good at setting goals. It can be terrible for people that get anxiety really bad, or they've never been really good at money. If they've never talked about how they feel about money. One of the main questions that I ask people, and I want you to think about it right now, is how, do you, how does money make you feel? Do you feel like you have to spend it when you get it? Does it get you really excited? And, and it, 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 I'm going to be honest, I've gone through different emotions with money. When I was younger, whenever I got any money, I had to spend that shit as fast as I could. That's how I felt about money. I have it. I got, I got to use it. Right. Because we didn't have anything. I was afraid I would have to use it for something else. And I wanted stuff. And so like, so like, how do you feel about money? Now I don't even money to money is important. But now, once you start getting more of it and you move yourself into middle class and upper middle class and whatever the case is, it doesn't doesn't end up meaning it it only means something when you don't don't have it. And I and and from not having it for so many years and then having it and now being to a place where I don't really where I'm fine with it or without it, right? It it you just have to learn to not have so much. You have to learn that it's something that you utilize to live. And it's something that you can utilize to go and have fun with. But it, it's 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 only the end all be all when you don't have it from my experience. And obviously, I want more of it because I want to do better things with it. And so that's where I'm at with my feelings. I the way that I feel about money is the more money I have, the more that I can that I can provide for my family, the more that I can do with it, not to go out and buy a Rolls Royce, which I do want, but not to go out and buy like a Lamborghini, you know, um, or things. You know, I had a TikToker. He uh, actually I think he's just a fucking troll because he didn't even have any pictures. But he I was arguing with someone about um, people saying how Democrats never work. And I'm like, well, I'm a Democrat and I work all the time. And and they're like, well, you're just, you know, one of the few. And then one guy comes on there. And he's all, he looks in my room. And if you go on Twitter, you can see a background of this room. This room is terrible. And so I was like, I was like, well, he was like a bunch of crap. You look like you're broke. Look at all the backgrounds in your videos. And so I told Danielle about it. And she's like, well, if you're doing them all in that room, it does look like you're broke. And I thought that that was funny because I haven't done anything with this room because I don't really know what I'm going to do with it. And I don't, I don't really need to spend money on it right now. And that's the way that my mind works. If I don't need to spend the money on it, I'm not going to need to spend the money on it. I enjoy investing and doing other stuff with my money. But what you need to do is you need to set up another, another checking account or another savings account at your non-primary institution. And then if you have direct deposit, some companies, larger companies in particular, they have the ability where you can split up the direct deposit. So for instance, I'll have, you know, 25 or hundred bucks, 25 or hundred, 25 or 50 bucks go in every paycheck. So that's 26 times a year. I'll have that drip into that other account. And I don't even notice it because it, it goes into that account before, before it comes to, 
to me. Like, I don't even see it. I just see the amount that comes into my checking account. And that's one of the best ways to save is to have those little drips set up. Um, if you're, if your company doesn't offer that where you can split that direct deposit, like the company, the, the company that I have for my, um, day career, um, in banking, we can like branch it off between like 20 or 30 different company or different banks or something, some ridiculous amount. And so you want to check that. If not, then when that money comes in, you have an automatic transfer set up with your bank where it can transfer to that other account. And most banks will have the ability to do that interbanking connection. So I have a credit union where I'll probably set up the savings account. Then I have my, you know, big public corporation bank. Um, and when my, if I didn't have the ability for the direct deposit to go, when it comes into that checking, that's checking account, then I'll tra- it'll automatically transfer over to that other savings account. So I would recommend you talk to a personal banker at your bank, see, um, if you, if your online banking has the ability to do that or talk to your employer and see if you can have the direct deposit, cause that's one of the best ways to save. And then once you do is you just save that up, um, and, and you focus on, uh, getting that to a larger amount, right? Like maybe five or $6,000 or that three month mark, maybe not the six month mark. And then you just knock out that mortgage or you knock out that bigger debt, right? It's not part of the first part of the snowball piece. And then once that's done, then you just save and grow and grow and grow and grow for retirement. And, and along the way, I'm hoping that what you're doing is you're building a business and you're building a side hustle. Side hustles can turn into your main hustle, but it takes a really long, really could be a short time. Most people, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of work, right? You know, I, I, I don't brag about the amount of time that I work. I wish that I would be honest, you know, I could be playing video games right now, but I enjoy, <laughs> this is a little bit different because I enjoy this and I want to get better at it. And I want to, to provide value to the people that are listening. Um, but, but sometimes you have, you just have to get into a, a grind of sacrifice and being able to sacrifice that other time. So I'll be honest, you know, I would love to be playing Call of Duty right now. My wife didn't tell me, but we bought an Xbox Series X. Uh, I mean, she just happened a while when the Xbox Series X came out. Um, and we bought that. We got Call of Duty. We have uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla or whatever. And, um, and zombies is just really relaxing for me for some reason. I also enjoy World of War. If you know, if you've listened to anything or know me, I love games just in general. So if anybody ever wants to play games, you hit me up on, I don't even know my handle on um, chess with friends anymore, but I love playing games. Um, and so I think it's really good for children to play games. And I'm not talking about video games. Or I am talking about video games. I'm just talking about games in general. I don't have a problem with anybody playing as many games as they want. Um, I think it's good for everybody um, just because it gets them to think all these things. I do think that if you're going to do some gaming for children, Minecraft computer programming game, but, but if you do that side hustle, then you can get more money and save more. But the, the core concept of getting out of all of your debt goes for your personal side and your business side. So let, let me recap this real quick. So if you don't have any savings started, get up to a thousand dollars. Once you get up to $1,000, start pay- taking care of all of your debt except for your house, okay? Then use all of that money to get your savings account to, we'll say, about three months worth of expenses or maybe about $5,000, okay? Once that's done, then take all of your money and put it towards paying off your house. Once you're done paying off your house, then you start hardcore doing into investing and hardcore going into other um, uh, other wealth management uh, building because the, the thing that stops people from getting wealthy is the cash. It's not that I need to make more and more and more. I need to spend less. 
right? I need to spend less. I need my expenses to go down. I need to become more efficient in my household. And we do not spend enough time talking about that. The, the, the money that you waste in your house, and I'm not talking about the $5 Starbucks. If I go to Starbucks $5 a week and I enjoy that and that's in my budget, that's fine. Could that be going somewhere else? Yeah, but it's $5. Yeah, $5 will make a big impact on your, your retirement, but you still have to live, live, live your life, right? And so, so the idea is that, and we'll hopefully talk about budgeting here on more on another podcast. Well, we will, but the idea is that everything gets budgeted. And when you have, when, when you're only, when everything has a spot, when all that cash has a spot and everything's being efficient, then you free up all of that cash. And once you free up all that cash, then you can start going doing really fun and interesting things. See, here's the thing. And, and again, this is just because I have a different mindset and I'm hoping that you can gain this mindset and get an entrepreneurial mindset and not in the entrepreneurial mindset way. Well, yeah, I guess in an, I see the thing, the thing about the entrepreneurial mindset, and I just want to touch on this briefly, is that I'm not a big, big fan of like, I'm going to create an e-commerce store and sell other people's shit. I'm like, I want to create my own freaking store, not using Shopify, create brand new technology and start selling shit. That might take me a lot longer. My, I'll get a lot more out of it when I'm done. But my again, my goal is to get a massive amounts of wealth to do amazing things with. But even if you don't, your goal isn't to get a massive amounts of wealth, you could still do some really cool things. If you think about it, if you had minimum bills and you owned your house, owning the house is the freedom piece, right? Because you own it and no one can take that away from you. I don't personally think that should be your retirement plan is having your house. Right. That shouldn't be the plan to keep your children going and not having to grind the way that you did. And creating generational wealth. Right. But like like some of the things that I enjoy, there's franchises that I like, like franchises are fun for me and they can't earn other money. Right. I really like Glass Wizard. I'm sorry. I really like um, uh, uh, Window Genie. <laughs> um, Window Genie is one of my favorites. I think that that's that would be fun. I think that provides a decent service, but it's not like super innovating for me. That would just be like, that would be my fun money. And when you're, when you enjoy that stuff then you always have more and more money coming in, that doesn't mean necessarily you need to do that. Maybe like real estate, then you could use all of that money that you had, you freed up to buy real estate. So to that point though, to, to get back to the, the TikTok conversation, cause I know, no, we're getting towards the end of the podcast is that. What a lot of people do is there are people that will try to get you to borrow against your, your plan. And so the point that I was making that, so for instance, you can borrow against your retirement plan. You can borrow against your for your IRA. Um, there's a wholesale life insurance plans that you can borrow from. There's this new plan called MPI from Suncor Financial that you can borrow from. And so like, so like, when you can borrow from that, there are fees usually associated with it. The point that I was doing, what I was making in that TikTok, and I want you to be mindful of is, A, it's better to have the savings, but you could be making more money if that was invested. That's just the logical piece of it, right? So, and you could probably be making more than what some low interest might be on a, a borrowing from an MPI plan or borrowing from a, another type of insurance plan, Right. Now your retirement plan is going to have way too many fees involved with it probably. So it might not be, but you might not make up the interest in the interest of your cash being invested. But like we never have people use their cash in business. 
you always keep your cash, right? And if you can, you leverage debt and just pay that off as fast as you can with new money that's coming in. So a lot of the times, like with wealthier individuals, instead of them, when they have a big portfolio of of investments, like say a million dollars or more, then you can create like a 20 or 30,000 line of credit against it, right? Or you could have an equity line against your house. But the idea wouldn't be to take that money and rebuild your house. The idea of using that money was to cover an emergency and then pay that off as quickly as possible. That was the point that I was getting at. You don't want to like use though that money as something that's revolving. Now those equity lines usually have equity lines usually have a term kicker in it where you borrow it and it terms itself out. Um, some of them just kind of revolve themselves um, because some of the banks they got rid of their equity term loans, and so the line of credit. I, if I'm not mistaken, the last time I, I've done a while, it's been a while since I've done a line of uh, credit off of a home equity line. Is that a lot of the times you can borrow, and that borrowing will be termed out for a period of time, and then. Once it doesn't like it still revolves against it, but then the revolver stops and then it all turns out. And so but but my, the point that I'm making is if, it, if it's a revolving line of credit that's tied to your house, that's equity. I wouldn't use that uh, unless you could turn it into a term loan somehow to make repairs on your house because term loans are much easier to pay for and they're much easier to balance for rather than having this adjustable payment that comes to you every month based off of what the balance of that line of credit is. Okay, but the point that I'm making is, is that that cash could stay invested. You could have your house paid off. You could have an equity line on that house. Okay, and then when there's an emergency, you could just draw on that equity line and then pay that off as quickly as possible with the money that you have coming in and never have to touch that money that's in that savings account or that's that's in the investments, right? Because if it's in the investments, it's at least hopefully getting about 8% a year if you just have it tied to a regular, if if, if you're matching the, the S&P or the Dow or the market or whatever you want however you want to position that or call it. And so that's the point that I was making is, is that we are such, we have like these two, two sides, these two really, really different sides where one side is saying that flip houses, leverage, 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 get rich, 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 rich off of leveraging and debt, have tons of debt, the rich use debt, all this stupid shit. And then you have this completely other fucking side that's just like, don't have any debt whatsoever. Have all of your cash and savings. Like there is more ways to plan around this than those two fucking extremes, right? There are things that can happen where you can have your money invested growing, right? At a higher rate of interest than borrowing against something on a good interest rate where you're still making up the spread where the interest that you're getting on the other is covering the amount that you're paying on the, the debt. And then the money that you're getting, the income that you're getting in during that period of time, you're, you're pushing all of that towards that new debt right? That, that's the smart way to keep it in control, in my opinion. And that's what I was trying to get on the tick in on TikTok. But, but everybody seems to be from what I can gather on these ridiculous sides. And what we hope to do here just is to find a middle way, right? There's a middle path, right? It's not one or the other. It, it doesn't, you have to go balls to the wall either way. You can have a middle path and work towards it, right? And one of the other things that I like to think about is every person wants to be like a billion and millionaire, but most people can't even get to the middle class or the upper class, right? I want people, I want to take the people that are in, I want people, what I, my dream would be is that the people that listen to this podcast learn enough and I can give good advice where they can get themselves from poverty 
to the lower middle class, to the middle class, and to the upper class, and then they can do whatever they want, you know, from there. Hopefully, they'll still listen to me, and I can help them. But, but the point is, is like it's everything's like so ex- fucking extreme because of our consumer, our consumerism, and the way that we see the world. And there's nothing wrong with being middle class. There's nothing wrong with being lower middle class or upper middle class. Hell, there's nothing wrong with being not having money. It's just people don't like that position because they can't, they see all this cool stuff and they want to buy it. And people just spend so much money on the most ridiculous, ridiculous things. And I'm not saying I'm not one of them, but I have the extra money, like, you know, fun money, right? To go and buy fun stuff with. And if you don't have fun money, then you shouldn't be buying stuff. You shouldn't be buying the fun stuff and putting in the work. And I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that like everybody's equal and everybody can pull themselves up. I that I don't believe I, me personally, I don't believe that if I didn't have my mom, if I didn't meet John, if I didn't know Kevin, if I didn't meet my wife, if I didn't stop drinking, if I did, I mean, there's all these things and you're like, well, you did all, I didn't do all of that shit. I had a good support system. Some people don't have a support system. If you don't have that support system, you can't, do the hell, you know, I have a therapist that I see all the time. Not everybody can afford a therapist. Like <clears throat> you can, it's not, not everybody can do all of it. There are luck factors that come in. There's, you know, I'm super grateful, um, for the life that I have and the life that I've been able to create and for my family and my wife and everybody that's in it. But for me to sit here that I did all this by myself, that is a bunch of bullshit. So I'm not trying to say that. What I am trying to say is though, is if you have the ability and you hopefully have a good support system, you can, you can start working. It might be even more difficult for you. You might not get up to that billionaire status. You might go from middle, you might go from lower class to lower middle class to middle class. And there's nothing wrong with that. You may not want, you may just want to get there. Your dream could just be to buy a house and get that house paid off. There is nothing wrong with that. People are telling you that there's something wrong with your dreams and there's nothing wrong with your dreams. If, if that's the thing that you want and that's, what's going to make you happy. And when you're lying on your deathbed and you're okay with that, then that's fantastic. That's where you should be. So on a downer note about dying and being on your, or being on your deathbed and dying, you know, I hope that you guys got a lot from this. Um, we will see you next week and make sure that you, um, you're going to hear this again, but make sure that you leave a review and make sure that you follow me on TikTok at, uh, age of Jeremy, follow me at Twitter at age of Jeremy Q and follow me on Instagram at age of Jeremy. And I will talk to you guys later. Have a great day. Have a great week. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Age of Jeremy. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. If you can do me a favor, please rate this podcast if your podcatcher allows you to. Talk to you soon.